Warning. The Kingdom Cast podcast contains spoilers about comic books, movies, and entertainment in general, as well as anything else that crosses their minds. Please do not take any medical advice seriously, nor legal advice that they may or may not give out. For that matter, it's probably for the best that you take nothing that they say seriously. Here we go with Kingdom Casts podcast now with more estrogen. Joining us once again is Sandra. Don't confuse me with Sandra Locke Swindle. Oh God, that's right. So, Albert. Yeah. What do you want to talk about? You tell me. You don't want to have us to watch movies and read a bunch of books. Oh my God. Why do we watch the movies that Stan says we quote unquote have to watch? Don't can we? Y'all can watch, you can recommend. I'll watch whatever y'all want to watch. I watch that god awful, what was it thing that Albert told us to watch? Um, cockroach? Possum. Possum. There we go. Why are you still hung up about that? That's been almost a year ago. I didn't watch Possum. <laughs> I told you you didn't have to, Sandra. Okay, really. thank you. <laughs> god, that was an awful movie. You sent both Sandra and I a news article today about Simulu. Am I saying that right? L-I-U? Sandra, what's the actress that plays Shang-Chi? Simu Liu? I think I'm Liu. not sure. Simu Liu. He's Chinese. I don't know. Yeah, he's Chinese. Simu Liu's Liu. Why don't we just leave it at Simu? Oh, my God. Yes. Okay, Simu. You sent me the article about people digging up old Reddit posts by Simu, mm-hmm. the actor that plays Shang-Chi. Which article did you send me? Because now I've got five or six of no, them. I have no here. idea. I just sent a headline. I think the one I followed through on the headline was with The Advocate, or not The Advocate, but just Advocate website. The Advocate is an older newspaper serving the Louisiana area. Advocate is news magazine, online news magazine serving the LGBTQ community. What struck you about this, Albert? Do you really think this is news? It has to be news. I'm sure Disney just spent a bunch of money to scrub it off. I read the whole thing. Sandra, you read the whole thing, didn't you? No, I didn't read the whole thing because my understanding is somebody decided, I'm not sure who, but somebody decided to go digging into an account that no longer existed to find this. It wasn't like this was still there. And it was Mm -hmm. just, I think, a Reddit AMA. And that headline that I don't know about the article, but that headline is, again, out of context. First of all, I don't know why people expect actors to be sinless and never say anything wrong. I think it was just somebody looking to dig up some dirt and some stuff that was out of context. Yeah, that apparently is what it is. It looks like a Twitter user and I'm not giving out their name is the one that just went digging through everything and and bringing thing everything out. Yeah, it really is when you read the article. Basically the headline is this. Shang-Chi's Simu Liu quote pedophilia is no different than being gay. End quote. The intent is not what they make it out to be in the headline. Once you get into it, once you read it, you see what he's saying. He was saying that he was playing a pedophile in a TV series. He did statistical and scientific research on it, reading papers and such, going into the role. He came to these certain conclusions that are his and... Well, I don't even think he came up to with a conclusion that he believes in. I think he made a bad comparison 
I don't think he's trying to equate yeah. those two things. I think he just made a bad comparison. I, like, I think you're right. At, at one point, if you go back, probably even 10 years, they actually list homosexuality in the psychological, the DSM, the book of disorders. Yeah, the medical. Yeah. yeah it, as an aberration and other things. In When he says that line, what he immediately follows that up with is that it was not so long ago that we were treating homosexuals with castration, he refers to Turing. So he's not making the comparison that I th that this headline wants you to think. I'm not necessarily defending why he's... I just don't understand why this is a story. He's not out slamming anybody at all. This is from several years ago. What about all the misogynistic stuff he posted? Okay, like we were going to get... Or alleged, yeah. or alleged posted. He allegedly was in a, a Reddit room, a sub room, and this is where they had to really dig. They're trying to connect him to an anonymous name in this Reddit room where Asian men hang out. I haven't been to the room, but I've seen the clips that they posted saying that it was him, but there's not any direct evidence in this room sometimes... Some of the men will say, oh, she's a race traitor. They're also trying to say that he was saying that female athletes are not uh, on par with male athletes and that if he's on a volleyball team and his team has a female on it, then, yeah, he's going to get frustrated. That's, again, an opinion. Whoever dug all this stuff up, all of this was like, again, a deleted account, anonymous mm -hmm. stuff. Somebody has an agenda, I think, against what? this actor. If we're having a conversation about female athletes and whether they're paid equally or whatever, generally speaking, women physically are less strong than men. Now, that's just a biological fact. Now, that doesn't mean every woman is less strong than every man. It just means if you had 100 women and did some kind of strength test, and 100 men, generally speaking, most of the guys are going to be stronger than most of the women. Now, that doesn't mean I'm saying the guys are the superior gender. No, but if you just took that one sentence out of that conversation and then said, oh, Sandra is anti-women or whatever, because she says men are generally stronger than women, that's kind of the case here with what he said. And it's not like he hangs out regularly in that room or that chat or whatever, somehow or the other, you know, a conversation came up and he got, I don't know, tagged or whatever. I don't know. Maybe he was a guest one time or something. It was, it's not like that was where he hung out all the time. And I, something he said was taken out of context. Good Lord. I, if I remember correctly, I, I, I don't have it in front of me here now. He did say something to the effect that women were less strong than men. Obviously, that's how the world views women athletes. Otherwise, you wouldn't have male teams and female teams, a two separate, what's the word on tracks? I don't know. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't have a woman's basketball league and a men's basketball league. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. You yeah, have like to, everybody competing at the same level. I'd like, like to go on record before everybody starts sending in that all of us are sexist due to Sandra's remarks. Uh, I'm fairly certain Michaela Moroni could kick my ass. There we go. Yeah, that's Just that's what I'm saying. Most, most women athletes are going to be stronger than your average couch potato guy, but that doesn't mean that, that, that that's why there are uh, two tracks. They don't compete in a sport. Again, I find a lot of what he's saying innocuous and just 
kind of in the context of whatever chat he's in, given all of these articles about Shang-Chi. Now, let me tell you something that another website ran with. I have not seen this show up in mainstream media. Have y'all yet? I mean, I'm seeing it on Advocate. I'm seeing it on io9, Gizmodo. What I find interesting about this is, in addition to the articles on Simu Leo's situation and the different things he may or may not said in some of the websites, Digital Spies website is also running at the exact same time. A article that headlines, Shang-Chi star Aquafina responds to questions about black scent controversy, where apparently no one we know of or anything else has decided to come out of the woodwork and accuse her way of speaking has cultural appropriation. That never even remotely occurred to me. So what what I'm looking at here is I think there's some sort of an agenda going on here. I do. I think there's an agenda. Remember, before Black Panther came out, there was a group of quote unquote comic book fans or movie fans, and I use the air quotes on both of those, who went to all the review sites and and gave it one star or a negative star or whatever. Yeah, they try did the same thing to Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah, and Rise and, of Skywalker. Yeah, I think it's not like an organized group, but it's the same segment of fandom. It's- same it's subculture side. Of yeah, it's the ugly side of fandom that's coming out and looking for this stuff. Because, good Lord, who is going to go find? I mean, why would you even go start digging around in a deleted account? And I'll tell you what, this is the other thing is this is why celebrity. I don't want to say celeb- celebrities and the creators and artists and stuff. I don't even know why they're even on Twitter or any social media, because Lord have mercy, you just can't say anything. The Twitter account that started all this got the trans flag colors across the Shang-Chi logo, has a picture of female Loki in their profile with the trans flag colors uh, across her cheek and so on and so forth. And this is the individual that has been posting all that. And again, I'm not giving out the name or anything there. I'm not a believer in giving attention to people that seem to be craving it, except for Jennifer Lawrence. I'm a big supporter of giving her attention. (laughs) Isn't she going to have a kid? Don't run. You know, I I have so little, Sandra. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I just vaguely remember seeing that flash across something. This is weird stuff. This is hardly Weinstein. This is hardly. No, and seriously. This is almost the same level as Gina Carrera, except Gina Carrera has been. not Carrera. Gina Carra. No. No. This is about the same level as the Gina Carano situation, except I, that Gina Carano had been warned a couple of times on I'll set. Put, I don't think it's the same because the the whole thing where he made the comment about homosexuals, I don't want to say he was on a press tour, but as a young actor, you're trying to get people to pay attention to what you're doing. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to say that you're giving interviews or whatever, or you're going on Reddit AMAs or whatever. Whereas I think Gina was more, this is my political views and I'm going to express it as much as I want to. And if you don't like it, screw you. Yeah. I, 
I don't think they quite correspond because this is not something that he was he was constantly harping on, so to speak. He was doing I hate to say press because it wasn't official press, but he was oh. he was trying to get the word out about this piece of work that he had done. And this was a while ago. Yeah, this, and, this was like he, early on in his acting career. He's responded to this and he said, Twitter is a slanderous place sometimes and it feels good to shut down trolls and bad faith actors who want to drag your name through the mud. Just a reminder that I do not ever advocate for anything other than positivity, positive culture pride, positive iterations of Asian masculinity and femininity. That means we don't put each other down. Direct your frustration at the system that did, did this to all of us. And his disclaimer is, and this is what I think is important, if you dig back far enough, I'm sure you'll find a more immature version of me who gave in to anger and hate. It doesn't make me a hypocrite. It makes me a human being. Mentalities evolve. We shift and we grow. And I want us to all grow the right way. It sounds reasonable to me. I'm hard-pressed to find if he's dissing somebody in here, and they can't come up with a statement of him pointing at a Asian female in particular and calling them a race traitor or anything like that. They're well, just saying that he was in a group yeah. that lent and, and, itself to that. And I said, like, there's a segment... I said this, I think this was somebody that has an agenda, but you know, that goes for both the left and right. There is a segment of fans who I think are, let's just say anti-inclusivity. And then there's a segment of fans that are overreacting to everything about inclusivity. Albert, you brought this up. What do you think? Nothing really. <laughs> you stinker. Y'all just have been- I said you've been rambling about it for 30 minutes. You just sent that text out so you didn't have to say anything for the first part of the program. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Albert. Yeah, really. Thanks, Albert. All in all, I'm not overly concerned with this. There are rumors that Gina Carano is probably coming back to The Mandalorian. I think all that's going to come of this is we'll have forgotten it by Shang-Chi, too. We'll forget about it in two weeks. It's it's, It's a nothing burger, really. Yeah, we'll forget about it when Dune and Spider-Man and everything else starts hitting. Yeah, this really is. I mean, somebody is stretching, but for the fact that they came out with that article about, okay, well, we got Simu Liu, what can we do to Aquafina? (laughs) Well, heck, they're already started on Tenoch Huerta. I don't even know what... The guy's Twitter is in Spanish. I don't know what he's saying, (laughs) but people are Google translating his posts and then... and That's always a safe bet. Yeah, and then immediately <laughs> calling him, oh, you know, oh, he's racist. Oh, he's misogynistic. Oh, he's this. He's that. Seriously, of, it seems that it seems that most of the people that are going out there are people that have a lot of time on their hands. I know. I was like, geez, I'm not condoning anybody being racist or anything else, but a lot of this, they're beginning to really stretch credulity yeah. on a lot of these things, yeah. and it, it really looks a little more organized. For the record, I did do a little quick research into who owned what concerning where the articles come out. Digital Spy, uh, the Aquafina article is owned by Hearst Corporation, founded by William Randolph Hearst, who was the basis for the movie Citizen Kane. If you've never seen that, go and watch it. It's a semi-documentary of Orson Welles' point of view concerning William Randolph Hearst, one of the richest newspaper publishers, media publishers of all time, one in one of the most influential. 
Hearst also, interestingly enough, had the policy that if someone needed to be fired within his organization, it was the failure of himself as management for not finding the proper place for that individual within his company. He's a complicated guy. Uh, Advocate is owned by Pride Media, run by Adam Levin, who seemingly plays both sides against the middle by contributing to anti-LGBTQ policies and politicians. There's a number of articles on that. So it's not clear cut if this is some sort of let's go after the Asian actors or let's go after Shang-Chi because Disney makes it or Marvel makes it or whatever. It's not really clear cut what the agenda here would be. It may just be a bunch of people that got bored and decided, you know what? I'm going to take down Shang-Chi. Because <laughs> he's, he's brought in $320 million without the Chinese box office so far. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know what to say. We should use our energy toward better things. Yes. Speaking of better things, we got a lot of mail. Are y'all ready for mail? Yes, mail, mail. First off, Jan, Kim, Leo, Shuri, Gal, William, and a couple of others wanted to wish Sandra well and hope she felt better with her back problems. Thank you. There you go. Very, very kind of them. In addition to wishing Sandra well, Alicia took the time to write in and lecture me at length that addiction is nothing to joke about and I should check myself before opening my mouth in such an ignorant way. And she went on. I'm not going to go on with it. Alicia, if I thought about what I was saying, we wouldn't have a show. (laughs) <laughs> that was a perfect example of what of what we were just discussing. Yeah. <laughs> Alicia, I say crap all the time. If you could hear the outtakes of the pro, if you if you only knew what didn't make it up. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the time, Stan, I do think that you're joking about quite a bit that you're talking about. It, it depends on the situation. I may be, I may not be. And if I was joking and circumstances change and the joking actually fits that situation, I'll just, oh yeah, I was dead serious. Okay. See, people, you got to keep it fluid. (laughs) Okay. Andy messaged us with this little nugget of a thought. I'm really tired and had a dumb thought. Is the reason the Marvel Cinematic Universe isn't mentioning or showing COVID is because Thanos snapped half the population away and COVID never became a thing. Did Thanos save us from COVID in the MCU? Oh, my God. What? (laughs) Well, the Marvel Universe is now operating five years in front of us. So there in the year, the movies that we're watching now are taking place, with the exception of Black Widow, are taking place in the year 2026 or 2025 because there was that five-year jump. They not mentioned COVID occurring at all. I think Andy's on to something. I think that when Thanos did the snap, that he erased the person that ate the bat and started COVID, or whoever was patient zero must have got dusted by Thanos. And therefore, the Marvel Cinematic Universe never had to deal with COVID. They just had to deal with Thanos. (laughs) Yeah, they just had to deal with half the population of their universe missing for five years. I'd say that's a fair trade. I'd take that. Y'all have any opinion on that? I think he's right. I think Andy's got something. I don't know. I don't. I don't know why there's any thought put it, wasted on that. To tell you the truth, <laughs> Albert, I've said this several times before. You do realize this podcast is about comic books and movies, right? <laughs> well, we spent forty minutes rambling about some guy's transgender phobia. You sent that text and to I'll us. Just kept on with that. 
We didn't even have to talk about that if you hadn't sent it. I wouldn't even have known it was a thing had you not sent it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. All right. Now it's Albert's turn. Albert, you're going to have to turn it on because Michael said via email, the only thing I want in life is to hear Albert talk about the Matrix trilogy and the new trailer. Oh, I finally saw the new trailer. What about Albert? So trailer for a movie. Oh, my <laughs> I mean, what's there left to do with any of that stuff? What? There was barely anything left to do with it after the first movie, and they got two more movies. I'm going to have to go back and watch all of them again. I don't remember much from them. That was, what, in the 90s, wasn't it? That's like over 20 years ago. 1999 was the first Matrix. Really? Yes. I thought it was earlier than that. No, it was was late though. Yeah, it was 1999. The ad uh, debuted on the Super Bowl, and everybody was... It was just like, oh, what's this? The, the first one, of course, is, is brilliant, was wonderful. I thought the second one was setting us up for something great. And then it turned out that they didn't have a third act. Honest to God, I thought the third one was going to go through the motions. And because Neo was able to shut down the Sentinels that were chasing them in the second realm, the realm that they thought was reality with Zion, Neo shut the Sentinels down and they dropped. Agent Smith was able to possess a body through a phone inside the Zion realm or the realm they considered reality. So honest to God in the third one, thought that it was going to end with Neo being killed inside of Zion somehow, and the shock of which wakes him up and you zap out and there's different containers rather than the ones we've seen in the Matrix of the humans and the container kind of explodes, opens up, whatever, and Neo falls out of it and he's gasping for air and he looks up and he says, and now the real war begins because they were setting everything up to have three layers. That was the whole point of Trinity. When the uh, architect is talking to Neo, they left it very open-ended when he implied that there was a program within the program controlling things and that actually picked Neo. Neo says, the oracle? The architect says, please. He doesn't say yes. He doesn't say no. And then in the third one, it just turns out to be the oracle. I always thought it was supposed to be Trinity. Trinity was the aspect of the Matrix that kept bringing Neo back because she had fallen in love with the human. And I was sorely let down by number three, to say the least. Yeah, I knew like 30 minutes into the second movie, they weren't going to do anything with it. Oh, it was the second movie that completely sold me on uh, those concepts. no. Well, it was the second movie where he talked to the architect. It was the second movie where he shut. So the I remember, like down. after the first movie, like having to try, have conversations online with that movie with just the first movie out. Mm-hmm. It was impossible, borderline impossible, because you'd get in arguments with people that was like, "Well, I took a course in college on this movie, so blah blah blah." <laughs> oh, I read God. this book. <laughs> I didn't take a course in college on the movie or anything. I just, honest to God, they had three movies. They had a trilogy. Everything kept happening in threes. And so I thought it was, I I mean, it it was poetry to have the Matrix consciousness manifesting in Trinity. It was poetry. It was perfect. It was worked out. And then we get this standard lackluster sci-fi, let's make the hero Jesus Christ ending. I I didn't care for it at all. And Albert, you're supposed to be talking about it. Michael said he wanted Albert to talk about it. That's right. I was wondering why you were talking about it, Stan. I wanted to hear Albert talk about it. Well, Albert wasn't talking about it. I'm trying to draw Albert out. Well, I don't know about that. 
I mean, I don't know. Like, why do we have to go back to it? What's to get out of it? Isn't it got a different director? No, I thought it was still them. It, it, wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, no, it's, it's, it's a one of the Wakowskis. One of the Wachowskis, Stan, not Wachowskis. I know. Mike Wachowski. What was that, Sandra? I think it's like a sister, isn't it? And is it Lana? The Wachowskis are, are both transgendered, Sandra. Yeah. What? Really? Yeah, male to female. They both went yeah. male to female after their parents died. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah no. so it's still them. It's, yeah. it's, it's well, them. No, no, no. One of the one of the sisters said that she's done this before and she's not going back to it. And so it's only one Wachowski. When I saw the trailer, it looks like we're just doing the first one over again in a different way, changing some aspects. I mean, here's Neo, here's Trinity. Yeah. They don't know each other, but we know that they know each other. Well, there's a good possibility most of that trailer could just be the first act. I'm hoping it's it don't, the first it don't see, four minutes. It don't, see, it don't seem like that trailer, they're giving us too much of the movie. They're not going to have Hugo Weaving, right? No, Hugo's not in it. Fishburne is not in it. But they got that other guy from Watchmen in it. Is he yeah. playing Fishburne's yeah. character? Yeah, because Morpheus died in one of the video games. Wait, okay. wait, wait. Are we taking the video games as continuity? Yeah, See, I because Morpheus. They, yeah, because they oversaw a bunch of that stuff in the video games. Morpheus was Moses. Morpheus should have died in the movies. I've got a lot of problem with the Matrix movies. I'm not overly excited about it, but how do you feel about it, Albert? Uh, I don't know. It doesn't seem like he could do anything new that would be interesting. If he wakes up from the Zion reality and into the actual reality that he's being kept with, I'm on board. Well, we don't know, do we? No, we don't know. We just have to wait and see. I don't feel like Michael is getting what he really wanted out of this email from you, Albert. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean... I didn't care for like anything after the first Matrix movie, and this one, the trailer doesn't really do anything for me. All right. <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm more interested in the Halloween movie than this. I don't know why either. Because, I yeah, do, you don't I, I don't know about Spider-Man yet. Oh, oh clearly you're interested in Spider-Man. I did watch some of the back stuff for Dune, so now I'm I'm, I'm even more excited about watching the back stuff. What's the oh, back stuff? Clips and trailers and people oh, talking about their characters. and it's a bunch like of sand. Yeah. <laughs> No. Sand Paul, and heroin. The, the sand doesn't pop up and start talking. No, the actors are talking about their characters. Thank you very much. <laughs> I went from somewhat optimistic and hopeful for Doom to, I can't wait till it falls flat on its face now because of their smart-ass director. Oh, yeah. Marvel movies just cut and paste from other movies, said the guy who's writing on David Lynch's coattails. You utter and complete. Why would you slam the door on yourself to opportunities to make money? He's he don't. French. He don't need their money. Yeah, and he's he French. is after the failure of Doom. <laughs> that movie is not going to fail. I'm ready for it to fall on its face. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't know about this Doom movie. It's got an outstanding assortment of actors, but so did the other one. Plus, it had Sting in the speedo. <laughs> That's right. They're not even going to introduce Fade Ruatha in this one. I'm really? disappointed about that. That's what I heard. Fade is not showing up in this one. No, no. Yeah. They I said, don't even know who they could get to play Fade Ruatha. Justin Bieber. <laughs> oh, my God. I think I just threw up. Lord. Talk <laughs> about a horrible Kelly? analogy. Sting and Justin Bieber. Lord have mercy. They, they get said, machine, gun, machine Gun Kelly to play him. <laughs> They said, do you want, what's his name? Fade Garatha? Fade Ruatha. Do you want Fade Garatha to show up in this? No, no, no. We need more sand. 
More sand. <laughs> More sand and blue heroin. <laughs> I was I was kind of iffy. Remember, we had this conversation last time, uh, Albert, about the director because I was not impressed with the arrival. I'm looking forward to uh, to what I'm seeing here. I don't think Fade Ruatha is in here. No, he's not. Mm-mm. It ends with Pretty Boy teaming up. Now he's like the weird Jane for me with- here. Yeah, with I'm MJ. gonna have to. I'm gonna have to see some some of movies with him. But Lord have mercy, he is like I could break him with my little pinky. It's going to end with him finding his way to the sandwiches and them having their heroin party, and and that's it. The next one will be the, the ones that are coming in the uh, other empire that's coming in trying to lean on them that wipe them out and everything. Okay, Cody chimed in on Facebook. Regarding the last podcast where Albert said something awkward about Gambit and Gambit fans, Cody had this to say, hey, I'm a Gambit fan. (laughs) Good for you, Cody. First step on the road to recovery is admitting you have a problem. Albert, you want to respond to Cody being a Gambit fan? You don't, don't even say remember, that. Do you? do you even listen to the podcast? Yes, I do. You said the only thing worse than Gambit are Gambit's fans. <laughs> ain't nothing, there ain't no lie either. <laughs> well, Cody, I'm sticking by what I said. I wish. What do you think worse than Gambit fans or Rogue fans? Albert, Lord have mercy. I'm sticking by my guns, Cody. I wish Dr. Doom had just blown Gambit's head off the moment he opened his mouth. Hey, you, what's up that boom? <laughs> Let me just say that I know where a lot of these Rogue and Gambit fans are coming from, from the the cartoon that came out in the night. Was it the 90s? Mm-hmm. You know, the 90s, I've completely forgotten. You know, I need to watch that and find, that must really be some amazing cartoons to have spawned so many Rogue and Gambit fans. Their nostalgic value is high. Yeah. The story writing is fairly solid, given all the other X-Men adaptations, and they have some really, really great moments. A lot of that cartoon, they were just adapting all the Claremont stuff. Yeah, and they were adapting, they were slamming a lot of it all together, like somehow the Phoenix Saga crossed over with Cable, crossed over with this, with that. Some of the stuff they got dead on, some of it they didn't. It was really well written. The animation was... Eh. It was okay. The designs, they were trying to use Jim Lee designs mm-hmm. and yeah. make them move. It had a distinct style to it because of that. Yeah, uh, and sometimes animal, it yeah. looked real messy. Like, they'd go to outer space and you'd have the X-Men, which were all in Jim Lee designs. And then you'd have the alien people, which still had designs from the 70s and 80s. John Byrne designs for yeah. the uh, Shi'ar and, the, uh, uh, and Guardian and everything. It was really odd. Some of it looked like the Spider-Man cartoon from the 90s, juxtapositioned against can we animate Jim Lee's art style? And the answer is no, you cannot animate Jim Lee's art style. (laughs) It all came out well, just well enough to have garnered a lot of happy memories and be high in nostalgia factors. It's not something I watch over and over again. Yeah. Annette emailed us saying, my friend forwarded it me this podcast. Am I supposed to know what you were talking about? Because I don't. Not really. No, Annette, that just means you're a stable, sane adult. (laughs) Is she a comic book fan? Doesn't say. That's all it says. That's just one line. (laughs) I think Annette may be my mom's friend or something. We don't don't explain nothing in this podcast. 
We no, just we, pontificate you, on and on and on. <laughs> we hope you've read the previous 897 issues of Batman because we're not going to get into that. Let's <laughs> I get into read any of those issues, but I can still have an opinion on it. Yeah. Let's get into the previous 897 issues of Batman. <laughs> okay, let's talk about some comic books. All right. We weren't big on Trial of Magneto, number one. Oh. Yeah. Written by Leah Williams. Trial of Magneto number two came out. This was better. I now think that the reason Magneto is out of character is somebody is making him be out of character, given the past events. Well, you're generous because I didn't like this one either. I like the interaction between them and the Avengers. And it's kind of a moot point to have a trial now, seeing as the Scarlet Witch is, spoiler alert, everybody, the Scarlet Witch is now back. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, we all knew that was going to happen. But is this the Scarlet Witch? I don't know. I just... It's a hot mess. Well, the first issue definitely was. This one This one presents a couple of roads where it could turn out okay, in my opinion. And, of course, Mystique is watching everything from the bushes, so you know, implying that maybe she has something to do with this. Well, the problem is this is a whodunit, but it's just the bad whodunit. If the intent is to completely be a whodunit, this is failing miserably. But Scarlet Witch is back, and the first thing she does is throws herself into the Vision's arms. And we're not even sure how Scarlet Witch comes back. This even lead into anything? I know they have Inferno coming up, but I don't think this it doesn't might, seem to be mattering. It might lead into Inferno if Mystique is trying to either get revenge or become in charge of the council. Basically, she's trying to take out, I think, Xavier and Magneto. She yeah. wants Irene. Her right. objective yeah, is like, Irene. Yeah, eventually, yeah. Even, even, with, even without Hickman, they're going to have to bring up Irene Adler at some point. We already that's, see that's that Saber... That's happening Sabretooth, in Inferno, isn't it? Yeah, we, maybe, I guess. We already see that Sabretooth's coming back. They've already announced him showing back up again. He's got a miniseries in 2022. Now, to be fair, that could be set in Sabretooth's yeah. past. Doesn't seem likely that it is. Inferno directly relates to Madeline Pryor and Havoc. And Havoc is having a lot of the same trouble with the council that Mystique is having. Mm -hmm. So I don't see how it doesn't all tie in. And Inferno is the next issue highlighted in the back of the book on their pull list. I didn't remember that. I assume Inferno is coming out on the 22nd, on September 22nd. It's not a great thing. I just thought this issue was a little bit better than the other one. Captain America had a nice little speech in there. So again, I think Leah Williams was looking at a manual how to make Captain America talk. It wasn't anything grandiose. I'm not knocking Leah Williams. I've liked some of her other stuff, but I'm still saying browse Trial of Magneto. It's not necessarily something I'm overly excited about. Yeah, I'm going to say for now, to shelve it. I guess you kind of have to browse it because you're going to have to keep up with things. Part of it is to, I think, also fix this stuff that Bendis did to Wanda with House of mm-hmm. M. Make her, I guess, a usable character with the X books again. What's happened to that character is so strange to me. Well, a lot of people complain that... This This goes back into the men don't know how to write strong women thing, Dark Phoenix, Scarlet Witch, the John Burns Scarlet Witch situation in West Coast Avengers, the uh, Wasp, and the Bendis writing Scarlet Witch. I saw an article written by a female comic writer saying that when they're writing women or superpowered women going through something emotional, they write it as though they're writing about their greatest fear about women PMS. Yeah, but see, the flip side of that is that a lot of these women writers don't do anything with women characters. Like they're borderline flawless. 
Now, that's a danger, too. And they don't go through any character arcs or anything in their books because they're all these socially aware, perfect beings that don't I do never con- I never considered the Dark Phoenix saga in that light, and I still don't. I still don't see it because the Dark Phoenix saga was much more of a story about a human with ultimate power, ultimate corruption, and, and dealing with that, and Jim Gray being at the center of it. I can see their point with John Byrne's interpretation of Sue Storm. Remember, Sandra, when Sue got in the BDSM outfit and attack the Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. I can see it with the Scarlet Witch in the West Coast Avengers. But I, I don't see it in the Dark Phoenix saga. And I think the reason that I see a difference there is Chris Claremont, whereas John Byrne wrote the other two by himself. Claremont, the Dark Phoenix saga kind of falls into that in that, well, when it was written, I will say that's the case. But... Yeah, but because we're comparing, it, like, what, how old is the Dark Phoenix saga now? Oh, my gosh. It's, like, in the 80s. Uh, it was written in the early 80s. Years. It started in the, yeah, it started in the late 70s and ran through, she supposedly died in 1982. Well, I guess the reason why the Dark Phoenix saga gets slammed is because it goes back to the ideal that women can't wield ultimate power or power. But they do that with every crazy. character in comic books. Does Superman go crazy? He has, yes. He, he left. Doesn't, uh, he doesn't, he wield, he doesn't wield ultimate power, though. Really? He's not, not Phoenix like, level power. Not, not the not the way the Phoenix was put on him. No. To be fair here, Sandra, you got to consider the original story arc for where Claremont thought the Phoenix was going to go. They wanted to make Gene Thor level powerful, and they had even written a script where she fights Thor to a standstill. And Jim Shooter said, no, 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 no. No woman is fighting Thor to a standstill. Don't be ridiculous. They had another script where she fought Silver Surfer to a standstill. And Jim Shooter, no, stop screwing around. No woman is going to rival Thor or the Silver Surfer. Stop this crap. And so what they did instead was they took Fire Lord, who had battled and won against Thor just recently, and they had her just trash Fire Lord. And that's how they got it past Jim Shooter. Everybody remembers, or everybody that reads X-Men knows the Fire Lord Phoenix battle. That was supposed to be either Silver Surfer or Thor, and it was supposed to be a draw. But instead, they had her trash Fire Lord and throw him back through the portal, send him home with his tail between his legs. The evolution from there was she was supposed to be redeemed, but they had that scene where she destroyed the planet. She ate the sun and destroyed an inhabited planet. Shooter was right on this one. They were going to have her lobotomized and redeemed by the Shi'ar. She was going to live. And Shooter, whereas I completely disagree with Shooter on a lot of things, he was right on this. He said, you cannot have any character wipe out a planet of billions, you knowingly absorbing their star and get away with it. And so Claremont thought he was calling Shooter's bluff by writing the death of Phoenix, where Phoenix, and we know it's the Phoenix entity and not Gene, but all matters and purposes, Gene commits suicide in the blue area of the moon sacrificing herself. And Shooter said, yeah, he approved that. That kind of shocked Claremont and Byrne, but they went ahead with it because, boy, this was going to have major ramifications because at the time, characters weren't dying and and returning on a regular basis. As a matter of fact, I don't think any characters had really, really died up to that point. Not many of them. And now it's a revolving door, as we see here, where Scarlet Witch got killed at the end of the Hellfire Gala. And now here she is at the end of the Trial of Magneto number two. 
I forgot what the point was here. <laughs> the powerful women been written like they're a danger. Yes. But they do write guys like that, too. They wrote Professor Xavier like that. They write everybody the like that. Yeah. Mm, I don't think so. Did you read the West Coast Avengers stuff that Byrne did with Scarlet Witch? Either of you? Yeah, about 20 years ago at this point. There's a scene where she's got all of the West Coast, where Scarlet Witch has all the West Coast Avengers suspended, and she's going to go join her father, Magneto. She tells them all where they failed her in multiple ways when she was of a good humor. And this is after Vision has been completely deconstructed and, and destroyed. And she walks up to Wonder Man, and it's off screen, but it's implied that she um, does something to Wonder Man. She hurts Wonder man's groin area. No, we've never had the equivalent scene of a male doing something like that. And given that the majority of your comic book readers, especially at that time, were young males, that definitely would cause an impression. Neither of you remember that scene? <laughs> no, I don't I don't remember that. And I'm not saying it don't exist. I'm sure it exists. I know it exists. I just, apparently, that made more of an impression on me than it did y'all. So... <laughs> <laughs> well, I know that there was problems with Vern's run on that. We were talking about him and Sue and Malice and him and Gene and the Hellfire yeah. Club. And obviously there's to some say stuff going on there. <laughs> it's safe to say that John Byrne has had problems with women, especially given the Kitty Pride situation with the real life Kitty Pride and how he would draw himself on dates with real women in the comics, trying to hit on them and stuff. Well, I'm pretty sure John Byrne had problems with any human being, not John Byrne. Okay. So on Trial of Magneto, Albert's saying shelf it. Sandra and I are saying pull it, because not pull it. Sandra and I are browse saying it. browse it. Yeah, because you got to keep up with the X-Men stuff. But I'm unenthusiastic about it still, even yeah, though I think number two's better than number one. I had higher hopes for it. Let's put it that way. The Last Annihilation, Wakanda One-Shot, Orphans of the Empire, written by Evan Narcisse and Jermaine Peralta as the artist. This is what it is. It's one of those Last Annihilation tie-ins, which I think they're putting out out of order. Yeah, I, can, I thought maybe when I was reading this, these weren't necessarily in order properly or something. Yeah, this is kind of a scheduling. I could be, I could be wrong. I think, yeah, I think something's out of whack. No, something is out of whack. In Wakanda, we are way into a situation that's referencing other situations that I haven't read yet or seen pass in front of me. And we've been reading Guardians of the Galaxy and the one shot with Hulkling. We know where it fits. We know, yeah, yeah that this is occurring. We just didn't know it had gotten that far. And Sandra, did you read the Wakanda one shot? No. No, of course not. Okay. <laughs> It's not T'Challa, it's Mabaku, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, well, and it's not even the original Mabaku. It's a Mabaku whose name, whose honorific is from the original Mbaku, and it's, it's, he's from the Wakandan Intergalactic Empire. I was about to say, it's some of that hot mess from Coates, isn't it? Yeah, it, it yeah. is, but Coates is not writing this. Look, guys, I think the major takeaway from this, I think they're setting Mbaku up to become Black Panther. Oh, you think that could Almighty. be it? I think that's it, and I think that's going hand-in-hand hand with what they're planning on doing in the movie. My wife and I rewatched the original Black Panther movie this past weekend, and M'Baku, within the first 15 seconds of being on screen, he calls out Shuri and criticizes Shuri right there before he gets on his speech about T'Challa. He's not a real fan of Shuri, so what I think's going to happen in the movie is, however they write T'Challa away, 
is that Shuri and M'Baku are going to have to work together and they'll both be Black Panthers. M'Baku has a, uh, in the movie, has a stout fan base. Yeah. People love to be two two Black Panthers. Yeah, I know there's not supposed to be, but this is what it's looking like. People would want to see Shuri in the Black Panther outfit and people would also want to see M'Baku in it. I think that that's what they'll do until they find a way to recast T'Challa. Well, I mean, if we go by that that horrible what if thing, then people want Killmonger in the Black Panther. Oh, no, that Killmonger is still a evil Killmonger. Well, no I mean, kidding. He just, he mean, just went about I- it a different way. I could actually see them dealing with all the multiverse stuff and overlapping, walking Michael B. Jordan back in as an alternate reality to Chala. No, I mean, they could, there's an easy out. You could just say he came back for everybody else, got snapped out. What do you mean? Did T'Challa not have control of the gauntlet or the gems at one point in that movie? He ran with them. He didn't have them on his hand. Okay, well, he could have brought them back then. Brought what back? Oh, brought Killmonger. Killmonger back? No, they're not going to. You don't want that Killmonger back because he's not learned a lesson. I'm saying that they could use Michael B. Jordan from an alternate reality, saying that in reality 10, he is T'Challa. I don't know. That seems too cheap to me. They're not going to recast T'Challa until Secret Wars. But in the interim, I honest to God think that the Wakanda comic book here is prepping us for an M'Baku Black Panther. That's just a throwaway one shot. John Ridley is coming on with an actual T'Challa book next month, this month. Yeah, we'll have to see how that goes. But at the end of it, there's this conversation between T'Challa and M'Baku. It's very interesting. It, it, it looks like foreshadowing to me. Aside from that, it's part of the last annihilation. I thought the art was good. The story was uh, pretty decent. If you're a Black Panther fan or re- following the last annihilation, this is a definite pull it, but it's not overly integral. It deals with more character development. I liked it. It's a pull it for me. What about you, Sandra? No. Shelve it. Yeah, I say shelve it too, because this issue, I think, is long. I think if it was a shorter book, it would be good. So. Didn't Storm show up in this this issue too? Yeah, yeah. Storm showed okay. up and all right, and well, gave them their it. mutant metal Mysterium, a gift from Krakua. Most I, of the Black Panther fans that I follow are not really keen on Storm showing up in the Black. You know how I feel about Black Panther being part of the Namer mythos. That's how yeah. Black Panther fans feel about Storm in the Black Panther mythos. Yeah. When I say Black Panther fans, I'm talking about the really hardcore, read-everything Black Panther fans, not the movie Black Panther fans. I'm more of a Storm fan than I am Black Panther, given mm-hmm. that X-Men are the everything to me, so far as the comic books are concerned. So I feel the same way they do about trying to work Black Panther and Storm together. It just seemed kind of forced to me from the beginning. Fantastic Four, issue number 35, their 60th anniversary celebration. And well, what'd y'all think about this? The overall issue I liked. The problem I had was that it wasn't necessarily Romita Jr.'s art. It was just how much of him they used in the book. Every time they did one of the Kang stories, they should have got a different artist for it. Well, they had a different inker for it. That was part of the issue. I didn't care too much for just being Romita Jr. the whole time. But the overall... As a Kang thing, I sort of liked it. Yeah, but it's not supposed to be a Kang thing. It's supposed to be a Fantastic Four thing. Well, it really was. The moment Scion walked in, didn't you think, oh, there's Reed? Not really. 
I did. I'm sorry. Well, I, I mean, don't it's know. just a it's just a play on that Batman episode. Almost got him. Oh, I, that may be where I thought of it from. I didn't think of that. I just think that when you're asking people to pay ten dollars for a 60th anniversary issue about the Fantastic Four, then I don't want to see the Fantastic Four chopped up by different Kangs. I just I think it was more focused on Kang than the Fantastic Four. Well, yeah. I'll give you that. Yes, it definitely was. So far as uh, John Romita Jr.'s artwork's concerned, was this not far superior to what he was doing in Superman? Yeah. This is like classic Romita Jr. Whereas in Superman, dear God, it almost looked like it was being done with a Sharpie. I'm with Sandra. This was more of a Kang story. I, and I don't know if Dan Slott is under directive that you should use Kang in here because Kang is going to be the big phase four baddie or whatever. This could have been so much more. I mean, I imagine yeah. so. I mean, Lord, there's two Kangs. There's this in the Kang book this week. I don't know. I just felt like this was for 10 bucks. I, I didn't feel it was worth that because we got that big old Kang story done by, as you said, Johnny Romita Jr., who, yeah, it was better than Superman and some of the other stuff I've seen him, but that's not saying a whole lot. And then we had a two-page, I don't know, short by, I can't even remember the guy's name, that I guess was amusing. I didn't find it that amusing, but other people have. And then another another origin origin story told by Mark Wade. And with beautiful art by Paul Renaud. Yeah, the artwork uh, sold me on that. Yeah, the Paul Renaud artwork is fantastic. But good Lord, I mean, how many times are we going to tell this story? When you put the Mark Wade origin story up against Dan Slott's Kang story, Dan Slott's stuff looks like fan fiction. Even though it was an origin story, nothing new or exciting was there, but just the way he wrote, the dialogue, all the script was so much better than the the stuff that Dan was doing, Dan Slot was doing, I don't, I don't know. Shouldn't the just, 60th anniversary have Dr. Doom in it? Is there not any reason we didn't draw out the wedding situation? I have no or, idea why. I'm going with you as Marvel just made them sort of do it. Yeah, and he's pandering to the movie, the MCU, because, whoa, we have to have throw in the TVA. And I'm like, oh, my God. I just well, found it weak. Not worthy well, of, a, of, of a fantastic anniversary issue. Yeah, not for $10. So for $10, if it was $6, I'd say pull it. It's $10. Sandra's right. I say shelve it. Yeah, Sandra? I, I say shelve it. I mean, you could, you don't need this issue to follow anything. It, there's no connection to the rest of the, the story that Dan Slott's doing, as far as I can tell. The Kang, if you want to read about Kang, man, that story that, is it Jed McKay that's writing the Kang story? No, it's, oh, oh, the Kang book. Yeah, the, yeah. the Kang book is great. Yeah. Yeah, and Carlo Magno. Read that instead. That's yeah, that, yeah, yeah. But, we all uh, recommend the Kang miniseries. Yeah, as opposed to this mess. If it wasn't for the other Kang book, I'd say get it or at least browse it. But if we have another Kang book, this is sort of pointless. We we all agree on the Kang miniseries that you should pull it, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. But shell fantastic for me. It's not worth the full ten dollars. From Image Comics, we've got Primordial Number One. It's Basically, an alternate reality where space programs, Russia and America, just kind of go stagnant after crap happens to the monkeys we attempt to send up. One scientist that's there to clean everything up and shut everything down, which he thinks is beneath his pay grade and is beneath his pay grade, but makes him overly qualified to make sure that he gets rid of everything, stumbles across some information that the animals are actually still alive. The artwork helps to make this book a little more dynamic than it actually is. 
It's issue one of a creator-owned book. And issue one is, here's the earth we're dealing with. Here's the timeline we're working with. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Art was fine with it by me. Uh, I would assume as the book goes on, we'll get more, I guess, dynamic art style out of it somewhat. <laughs> I was fine with all of it. I thought they did a real good job as an issue one to get you interested in the story and everything else. I'm with you. I just want everybody to know it's a little bit of a slow opening, but there's no way that I'm going to say anything but pull this book after the last page where Lacka the Space Dog shows up and tells the monkeys hello. I'm on board for this, just for that one scene. The rest of it's good. It's well written, but it's slow paced. Yeah. The artwork, the artist does his dead level best with these dynamic visuals. He does pick it up a bit and they're interesting to look at, but they're more interesting to look at to me is I like what you're doing there by way of art, not by way of storytelling. I'm saying pull this book. Number one's worth the read. I agree. I say pull it. So that's Primordial Number 1 by Jeff Lemire from Image Comics. I'm going to give a shout out real quick. The War of the Bounty Hunters and Star Wars continues. Uh, There is a Bush one shot. And you may remember that Bush is the bounty hunter that Leia was dressed up as in Return of the Jedi that brought Chewbacca in. Well, this one shot deals with the actual Bush, his or her, we don't know, crew and what they've gone through. So I highly recommend that. I've wanted a good story on this character. Uh, We got a good one shot on Bush. So give that a spin. I just wanted to give that a quick shout out. Star Wars War of the Bounty Hunters, Bush number one, came out last week also. From DC Comics, Superman and the Authority came out, issue number three of four. Albert, I know Grant Morrison's supposed to be writing this, but it feels like somebody pretending to be Grant Morrison. This is an in-between thing. Yeah. I think this is some of the stuff that's a holdover from Future State. Unlike issue two, this one reads a little bit more like a Grant Morrison book. I've enjoyed it. It's been good, but I don't know the point of this comic. Okay, I kind of feel the same way. I was expecting a lot more than we're getting here. This feels like Morrison ripping off Morrison's X-Men stuff. Yeah, but at the end of this issue, to me, the, the, the last because they, they get all the characters together. They save Enchantress. No. Yeah, I thought it was. It's June Moon. Yeah, that's Enchantress. And yes, they save her. They do a little extra stuff. Once you get further into it and they introduce the, the real big baddie of the comic, it starts to feel a lot more like a Morrison book. All right. So you're saying pull it, right? Yeah. I'm going to say browse it. It, it feels a little off to me. I'm not sure if it's because of my expectations or what. Albert says, pull Superman the Authority number three by Grant Morrison. I'm saying browse it. And Sandra did not read Superman the Authority, did you, Sandra? No. And I don't think she what, read anything. I, what, I did. I read Once in Future, 19. I read uh, Fantastic Four Life Story. I read Trials of Magneto. I read the Defenders number two. That was an excellent book. Yeah, we reviewed that. Oh, did we? Yeah. All right, Rorschach by uh, Tom King. (laughs) Issue number 12. This is the final issue, right? Thank God. Thank God. We'll explain it to us. I I left off. There there is no explaining to it. Does Rorschach ever actually show up? 
No, not really. I mean, they use his mask, but it's not really about Rorschach. It's about crazy government conspiracies and assassinating politicians and blah, blah, blah. And I'm pretty sure this is probably how Tom King and some of his CIA buddies handled some Central America elections is what this is really about. I would investigate the man for war crimes. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm not against that. (laughs) I think I think I'm on to something here. I think he's he's hiding a bunch of his Central America and Nicaragua stuff and stuff like that in these comics. Yeah. So somebody that has collected all 12 issues of Rorschach, send them to the NSA. With a brief little outline of what Albert just said, there's no reason to buy this in trade, is there? No, just skip it. So Shelve it. You, yeah, just it's over. It. Everybody can forget about it. And, you know, everybody can forget about Tom King now, too. We can all go on with our lives. Finally, from DC Comics this week, we've got The Joker, issue number seven, written by Tinian the Fourth. I like that this is, I guess, the first issue of a new art, so it's not quite as as energetic as the previous issues, but still real good. We still really like it. That was something I thought. I thought, okay, we're we're losing momentum here. Yeah. I don't necessarily think this is something that needs to have a new story arc. I'd like for them to conclude the situation between Commissioner Gordon and the Joker. It's not bad. It's not bad at all. It lost some of the momentum of the previous six issues. Yeah. It's a new arc, but it's also a little bit more of a, for it being the same writer and artist team, and really, I guess you could say the same major story. It is. Yeah, we haven't completely resolved it. We've just changed locations. It seems a little bit too much of a hard stop and start between issues. I agree. I would rather this had just melded right over a little better with the previous six issues. I'm still saying pull it. I agree. After all that, I still say pull it. I don't doubt it'll it'll pick back up here and probably just even the next issue. As an aside, did you note that there was 15 DC superhero books released out of which nine were Batman books? I don't doubt it. Now, I'm counting the Joker, the two Joker books and... There's a Pennyworth book. Pennyworth, yeah, and Pennyworth is Batman. Yeah, nine Batman family books. That's... Well, the thing is, people keep buying them. They're just going to keep making them. Well, of course they are. I just hate that it's all Batman all the time. I'd, I'd like how Jordan back, and uh, I like what they've been doing with Wally West, and I hate the idea that they're that they're following the future state stories on the main Batman book and the Superman book. I think we need to get rid of that. But that was just an aside on it. I wish the Discovery thing would be moving at a quicker pace. I want to see what happens when Discovery yeah. comes in. And that wraps it up for DC Comics previous week. Now for DC Comics this week, the week of September 22nd, 2021. We're going to group three of the comic books together because they're all part of this Fear State Batman series. That's going to be Catwoman, number 35, written by Ram V. Nightwing, number 84. Nightwing, number 84, written by... Tom Taylor. Tom Taylor. And, of course, Batman, number 113, written by James Tinian. This continues the concepts and ideas from Future State. And I really, really loathe Future State. This seems like it's taking that Future State stuff and just sort of throwing it underneath the bus at the end of it. 
Well, I hope it is. I hope it is. But we're still talking magistrate, magistrate. And I am so damn tired of hearing about the magistrate that it turns me off to whatever book I see the name in. That's practically all of the bat books at the moment, including the outliers like Catwoman and Nightwing. Now, Nightwing by Tom Taylor is the standout of the three books this week, but it has been since its reboot, since Tom Taylor took it over. It's been extraordinarily well. I haven't cared much for the Catwoman run, but I'm not a big Catwoman fan, and there's nothing in there that gives me the inclination to be a big Catwoman fan. Yeah, I didn't uh, read Catwoman. Nightwing was good, and I like Batman too this week. Hey, I didn't like Batman this week, but I did like Batman's friend. I forget his name. Ghost Killer? Ghost Maker. Ghost Maker. I do like Ghost Maker. He's being written real well. He's entertaining. I appreciated the psychological aspects they incorporated into this. Overall, it just doesn't feel like Batman. It doesn't look like Gotham to me. It doesn't feel like Gotham to me. This is reading more like a um, fan fiction, with the exception of Ghostmaker. The only problem I have with Tenyon's run is he's created too many characters that are just different versions of characters that already exist. What is his name? Clown Killer or whatever? Yeah, Clown Killer is ridiculous. And the Molly character, they're all just plays on characters that already exist. Same as Ghostmaker. Ghostmaker still just a different version of, let's say, somewhat of a Jason Todd or Bruce Wayne type character. He's a sociopath. We can make the argument all day long about what Bruce Wayne and Jason Todd are, but he's a little bit of a different angle the way he's engaged Bruce and come in. I accept him easier than I accept Clown Killer, which started off like, okay, you may have something here, and now it's just become ridiculous. Yeah, I, did, I don't care for it. Like, the backups for Ghostmaker were real good, but the uh, Clown Hunter... Clown Hunter. Yeah, Clown Hunter. The yeah. Clown Hunter backups have not been good. No, not at all. I do find it a little too convenient that Ghostmaker hung out with Crane, the scarecrow in college. Yeah, just, that goes back to that Gotham. That's like that, you know, that Gotham show where everybody knew everybody. Knew everybody even before Bruce's parents got killed. They were all interconnected before any chain of events set it off. But we just have Crane in college say, oh, here, listen, I've written an entire paper on what Fear State would be. And here it is. Conveniently remember yeah. this during a psychedelic trip with Batman and the hand. Yeah. I want the magistrate gone. I want Gotham looking more like Gotham. I want the feel of the book back. I like Ghostmaker. I don't know what else to say about that. I'm sorry for those of you that don't. Hate Clown Hunter. <laughs> What do you think of Scarecrow's redesign? I'm fine with it because I mean, it's not straight from the Injustice games, but it's more it's more like that than anything. It's a cross yeah. between that and in that first Michael Keaton Batman movie when uh, Arliss, was that who it was? Arliss and Vicky, you know, the guy played yeah, Arliss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Him and Vicky Vale were looking at the, those armors and, and Arliss said one of them was like King of the Wicker People. Yeah. It's that. It's that armor crossed with the Injustice armor. Well, when you can't see that that's a straw hat, when he's in shadow and the, the hat's yeah. all black, he looks like Morpheus from issue one of Sandman. I still like that his design well enough. Yeah, his design so. is his design. It's still Crane underneath all the get up. I just think the magistrate situation has got to go. Well, it seems like that's what they're doing. They're getting they're getting rid of all of it. I'm hoping so. As for Catwoman, uh, it's Fear State, but it's Fear State with Catwoman's section of Gotham, which is called what? Uh, the Sandbox? No, Alley Town. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what it's called? Yeah, it is what it's called. It is called Alleytown. I knew it was called Alleytown. I just threw the sandbox thing in there for fun. And everybody's leaving Catwoman, and Catwoman's hurt, and the art's okay in it. I still just don't like the story. You still can't make me care about this. 
She's not an engaging character. Yeah, I just she's, skipped it. I didn't. As for Nightwing, Nightwing ends up getting involved in Fear State, and the way he does it is him and Bruce team up, and that's it. Really doesn't have anything to do with the Catwoman book or the Batman book. Nightwing plunges headfirst into Gotham to go help Bruce, and it's touching, and it's entertaining, and it's everything Tom Taylor has led us to come to expect from him on the Nightwing run. I'm enjoying this book like crazy now. I look forward to this book. Yeah, this issue's fine. I mean, it's not really heavy-handed or anything. Yeah. It's just a standard tie-in issue, and they give Barbara a new Batgirl costume at the end, and that's that's about it. I mean, if you're, if you're reading Nightwing, it's not really going to distract you from anything in it, and it's pretty well put together for what it is. Nice character moment between yeah. Barbara and Dick and Bruce and Dick. Thing shelve Catwoman. Okay, I agree You, you said that. you didn't read. Pull Nightwing. I'm going to say Browse Batman. I'm going to say Pull Nightwing and Batman. Because okay. I, re- I really like the Batman issue. I thought it was uh, outs- outside of the Ghostmaker knowing who Crane thing is. Yeah. And him happened to know Crane right when he was talking about that Fear State stuff and writing a paper on it. That's too much, even mm. for a comic book almost. Like you're just asking your reader to buy too much coincidence in that. Outside of that, I thought it was a great issue. Yeah, you're straining credulity with that, but that's not my problem with it. It's the mentions of the magistrate. I'm just not going yeah. to feel good about Batman until the magistrate thing is over and done and Future State is far behind us. Don't get me wrong. I love Tanyan. I think he's a great writer. I hate that he's leaving the Batman book. Also, at the same time, if he takes the magistrate with him, I'll be okay with that. Batman, the detective. Issue number five, Tom Taylor, writer, same Tom Taylor from Nightwing. So uh, to me, this is still a no-brainer. Alternate reality, we don't have to worry about anything. It's an older Batman. It, it's entertaining. It's a really great Batman book. It's I agree. Just, just a solid, like, it, as a Batman story, it, do, it does a great job being a Batman story. Andy Cooper art in it. It's great. It's a nice setup. Has a very different feel while still feeling like a Batman book to you. I would like uh, it if, the main ba- if this was the main Batman book. Yeah, I'd be okay with that. Or if it was ongoing in its own situation. Yeah. This is a great book. If you're looking for a good Batman book, pick up Batman the Detective. They're doing a wonderful job on it. A lot of fun. Great artwork. Very much, very much feels like The Dark Knight. Yeah. It comes closer to feeling like The Dark Knight more so than The Dark Knight 2. Yeah, I mean, Bruce isn't as, he's not as cold. Pissy. He's not as pissy. Yeah, I mean, he's he's not quite as, he's still Batman and he's a little bit older, but he's not like a jerk or anything in it. All right, so we both say pull Batman the Detective number five. Absolutely. That's an outstanding Batman book. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin, issue number five, the penultimate issue. Again, for those of you that listen, you know I'm not a turtle fan. And when I say things, when I say I'm not a fan of, that means I don't go out of my way to watch the movies or look at what they got going or necessarily read the regular books more than check in on them every so often. This is an exception to the rule. This is their magnum opus, and they're doing a wonderful job with it across the board. Every one of these issues, even though I'm not steeped in turtle lore, easy to read, easy to pick up on, easy to recognize the nostalgic factors. Aside from that, it's a great story. It's a very touching story, a very deep 
characterization going on. I agree. I think Ninja Turtles has been around for so long that most people, let's say below the age of 50, or at least in Western culture, probably have a basic enough understanding of the Ninja Turtles, where as long as it's just a turtle and there's a shredder as a bad guy, that that's really all you need for anyone to follow. Yeah, to go on. And you know the turtles are the good guys, and you know shredders the bad guys, and everything else, you can just work around it. This has been a very good story. I really like how they do the flashbacks with the Kevin Eastman art. Beautiful. Yeah, beautifully they, they done. Really, they really stand out very well and when they do the flashback stuff with the more standard modern art compared to the future art it does great these are fairly thick issues there's a lot of page counts of these things so you get your money's worth out of it oh definitely I very much enjoyed all five issues of this I'm looking forward to the conclusion and this is something I'm even considering maybe I'll pick this up in hardback maybe I want this on my shelf I don't have anything of turtles on my shelf but for the first time in their long drawn out history I feel like this should go on the shelf next to the Absolute Watchmen, All-Star Superman, Avengers, JLA, and the hardcover Dark Phoenix saga. I can't say enough good things about it. It really, really... Yeah, this, this is a great comic. Yeah. So definitely, definitely look into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin from IDW Comics, written and drawn by Eastman and Lard. Kevin Eastman and Laird. Yeah, there you go. Well, they're so, not... What it is, it's the story is by... Eastman, Laird, yeah. and Tom Waltz. There you go. The script is by Waltz and Eastman. Then mm-hmm. you have layouts and artists. And there's a whole team that works on this book. But they're working in sync with each other. It's just a really good comic book. Yeah. So we both suggest you pick it up, take a look at it. I'm saying pull it. I agree. The thing about Ninja Turtles, you know, all they wear really is just a headband, a, a little mask, and a, and pretty much a belt, what amounts to. Yeah. I don't think they should ever be drawn without those things on because Michelangelo, you know, he's just walking around naked for the most part, even though they walk around naked <laughs> all the time. It just looks weird. Yeah, like there's no non-weird way to, in your mind where, like, simply because he doesn't have a belt and a mask on, well, he's just walking around naked, even though he always walks around naked. Yeah, he's so they don't wear pants or anything. <laughs> I guess the shells, just, I assume the shells both count as clothes. He's not taking his shell off. You just felt weird when Casey Jones' daughter hugged him. Well, it's just a, it's a weird vision. Remember like in the old comic books, they drew him with tails? Oh, they still do, pal. He's still got that tail. <laughs> Despite Albert's misgiving on turtle anatomy. <laughs> Take a look at IDW's The Last Ronin Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> Please do. I actually read The Death of Doctor Strange. I wasn't going to, but somebody told me it was a good book. Why would you not read that? Because I don't want to read about a character I like getting killed. Well, I don't necessarily want to read it either, but it turned out to be a good book. The Death of Doctor Strange, number one, by Jed McKay, with art by Lee Garbett. This was an interesting book. It, uh, for a second there, I thought they were just going to ignore Mark Wade's run, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. They incorporated it into it. I love the bedroom. I love the opening bedroom scene. He's laying in his bed... He's underneath the blankets, but on top of the blankets is the cloak of levitation. Yeah. He's got Conan's axe sitting in a vase off to the side, along with a few other weapons and tarot cards scattered around the floor, tennis shoes. Just a really cool opening there. And it was very nice, well-done caricature running through. And they've timed this after the uh, demise of Dormammu. Did y'all notice that? Yeah. Dormammu actually dies or is reduced to nothingness in Guardians and... And this was all at the behest of Doom. Doom planned the whole thing so he could absorb all of Dormammu's power into his armor, just as a keepsake. 
Now that's a that's a character, Sandra. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've always loved the dog. The dialogue is great between Strange and his supporting cast, and you're just going to through a typical day in the life of Stephen Strange all right up until the end. Yeah, until he gets killed. It's just a, you know, just sort of a Tuesday. A very- yeah, it's just a normal, like, hey, here, here's a jumping on point for Doctor Strange. And it's not Mordrew. Mordrew shows up to figure out who did it as well. The mystical shield that surrounds the Earth starts to collapse, and so the Avengers and everybody else are calling to see what happened to Doctor Strange, or where is he? He needs to stop this. And then we get the Steve Ditko Doctor Strange that just walks into the situation, into the present-day situation from the past. What did you think of that? I thought that was great. He looks yeah. at t- those eyebrows and everything. So, yep, that was that was like completely unexpected. When I read it in that that one scene where he's saving that guy in the street who's about to get shot up by the police and he goes on about the Cinnabus are dying. And for some, mm-hmm. not for some reason, but I mean, for the obvious reason, I kept reading it as the Cinnabons. Oh, no, the Cinnabons are dying. <laughs> so- Cindy's Cinnabons are being shut down. <laughs> Because they get for being a ripoff. I wish he had chosen something else because it just veered off for a moment for that, like the Cinnabon. <laughs> with the ending, it's like, okay, all right, I could I could deal with this. But I was just like, why? Why would you do that? I know that when they quote unquote kill off these characters, that that's not a permanent thing at Marvel. It was just really annoying. Did y'all notice that when he blacks out, he's whole, his body is whole. But when Wong, the little spirit dog and brother Voodoo get there, his hands are gone or at least for sure, one of his hands is gone, just replaced by a stream of blood flowing out of his sleeve. Had a knife in his chest and his corpse is laying on the floor. His arm seems to be there because the sleeve is filled, but his hand is missing with blood flowing out of the sleeve. I remember that, but... That was interesting to me. I, I was wondering why. Mordo shows up as well, and basically we've got a Doctor Strange from the past. Is it possible that what they're attempting here because Stephen Strange set up this situation where his past self could walk through a portal in case of emergency? Do you think what they're attempting here is to knock him down a few power levels and to start fresh with the younger Stephen Strange? I thought they were just going to replace him with somebody else. They were big into Wanda's kid. We can, oh, no. They, yeah. I, I think they would replace him with Wanda before that. Or Magic. Yeah, no, they're not going to do Wiccan. Well, well they're, you clearly, see, they're clearly trying to get the Young Avengers together for the Sorcerer MCU. Supreme, the title and role of Sorcerer Supreme is up for grabs because the Doctor Strange that walks through the portal is not yet the Sorcerer supreme oh he did cut his hands off yeah or at least one yeah both of them uh, both his hands are cut off i didn't even notice okay. that i guess he's yeah, that's laying there with a, a knife in his chest i didn't notice he's just laying there blood coming out of his sleeve no hands well i'm wondering if this has anything to do with the fact that his hands are enchanted now remember uh, yeah the deal well, they, with could, the demon? they could be and it could have just been a way to, to sort of stick it to him and torture him before you got a knife in the chest could be either way i loved it I enjoyed the book. The story is going to run through not just Death of Doctor Strange miniseries, but there'll be a one-shot in Avengers, Strange Academy, Spider-Man, White Fox, Blade, and X-Men slash Black Knight. X-Men slash Black Knight. That's an odd coupling. Black Knight's always been a, a magical guy. 
but the X-Men. It may say X-Men, but it may just be magic. So. Oh, that's a good point. Maybe Eliana. I had no intention whatsoever of picking this up or reading it because I was very annoyed with Marvel. I mean, they've we haven't had a Doctor Strange book since it was last year, I guess. Well, it's been over a year. And, you know, mm-hmm. the guy's supposed to have a movie come out. Meanwhile, we're getting Reptile and Juggernaut, Sabretooth. Well, when are we getting Doctor Strange? So, yeah, I was not happy about this announcement or this book, but a fellow Doctor Strange fan told me that they loved it and it was good. And I thought, I was okay. They didn't spoil it for me like we did, but that's okay. <laughs> Pull it. I agree. Pull it. I agree. That's across the board. Death of Doctor Strange, number one, Marvel Comics, Jed McKay, Lee Garbett. Pull it, pull it, pull it. Hey, did y'all see where that uh, Harry Potter actor collapsed on the golf course? But now let's talk about how once and for all, the Marvel Universe has just point blank come out and said that the smartest individual in the Marvel Universe is without a doubt, Victor Von Doom. And they did this in the pages of Fantastic Four number 36. (laughs) He hasn't faced up against Moon Girl yet. Well, you've been running around saying, oh, it's Reed. Reed's the smartest. And I've been saying, no, no, it's not Reed. And now Doom has proven it. Doom has done something to Johnny Storm from the events of Doom's wedding that Reed cannot undo, cannot even create a containment suit that lasts for more than 15 minutes. And the best idea Reed has is to lock Johnny Storm into the basement of the Baxter building. But then that woman makes the whole thing about her emotions. Lord. Too, because there's like, I'm on fire. Right. I'm on fire permanently, and I, no one knows how to fix it, and I can't be near people. But, oh, no, I got my feelings hurt, Johnny. Let's make it all about me for about a third of this conversation. Just a second. I got my feelings hurt, Johnny. Let's just pick that apart for just a second here, okay? It wasn't like Johnny was watching the football game instead of paying attention to her. What happened was they were supposed to be a couple. They were supposed to be soulmates. They were supposed to be committed. And he just up and went and had a sexual fling with Doom's fiance. That's what happened. Not just, oh, I got my feelings hurt. That's To be fair, have you seen Victorious? (laughs) Yes, yes, Dan. As long as the other person is super hot, you're forgiven, I guess. Well, it ain't Johnny's fault. Sky was never there for him emotionally. Of course he's going to go looking for something somewhere else. Mm -hmm. You don't commit to being soulmates if that's the case. Ain't that what you women pull in court when y'all want half everything? <laughs> y'all the ones that had an affair, y'all still want half? Oh, he wasn't there for this emotionally. God. He had to go work in the mines while I stayed at home and, and cooked meat. It's a two-strong attack. When I can finally, finally relax and not and, and have 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 uh stand trained. There comes Albert. <laughs> Uh, I would like to go back to the emails real quick and say, Michael, I hope this makes up for the Matrix discussion. <laughs> Lord have See, us. I wouldn't be like this if you women that are way out of my league out there would have a, <laughs> would, would would show me the time of day. God. I'm, I'm going to say something else here. That scene where Alicia is in the park with her kids, Ben's wife, Alicia, who is blind, and that other woman accuses her of trying to pull out the blind card. What in the hell was that about? I don't know. 
I never thought being a mom was going to be so challenging. And then this other woman in the park says, I swear, Alicia, if you pull out the blind card and she says, no, it's because Joven and Nakala have very unique needs. You know, the two adopted kids are a Cree warrior and a scroll child that were trained from infancy to combat, to be combatants. Yeah, you're looking at that wrong. That that didn't, I didn't view that as her being like, that, that was just, I mean, you I never, asked Rude ever. and Alicia, and that seemed like two people that were just sort of having well, like, then a, she friend, goes like all, a friendly joke. Okay, all right. Then you've got that one panel where the same woman goes all demonic, and Alicia can't see it, but everything, the fence behind her turns bright red. The woman's neck goes out of whack, and her arms go upside down and creepy. She's asking, what about the grandparents? Do your kids get along with them? Well, Alicia says, well, they haven't met Ben's Uncle Jake and Aunt Petunia in person yet only over zoom so just them then hmm and then it all goes back to normal the next square but alicia doesn't see any of this only the reader yeah and in the meantime reads and putting the planet in further danger from global warming thanks to his inability to do anything with johnny if they would honestly if reed would honestly just call up doom and say look we humbly apologize doom would snap his fingers and it'd be over but Reed can't do that, can he, Sandra? That's nonsense. Because some woman showed up in the middle of him trying to get Johnny under control. and was like, what about me? What about my emotional needs? Well, there is no doubt about it who's in the lead here. Doom is clearly the smartest person in the Marvel Universe. Clearly the smartest person. And that easily makes him the smartest person in the DC Universe as well. DC's smartest guy is who? Mr. Terrific? Look at me. I created floating balls. Yeah, and Batman's not even in the run. I don't even want to hear Batman in this. He's not even in the running. He can't even keep Gotham under control. Black Adam could fix Gotham in a matter of 15 minutes. Hover above it. Can you smell what set Adam is cooking? Oh, my God. <laughs> when this guy shows up and goes, Johnny, why don't you make love to me anymore? Can you not stand the side of my naked body? You're molting. Oh, my God. Look, I never liked that character anyway, but seriously, Albert, Johnny did her wrong. It ain't, my, it ain't Johnny's fault she wasn't there for the hymn. That's nonsense. But Johnny did Doom wrong. That's the main thing. No, Victorious did Doom wrong. It could have all been handled had not somebody stood up at the wedding at the altar and said, oh, you know what? I can't really marry you without telling you, first of all, that I've already betrayed you. Sorry, Doom. I'm a whore. <laughs> did not Scott Albert. Lord, have mercy. <laughs> to catch you up, if you're just tuning in, Sandra doesn't believe honesty is the cornerstone of any relationship. <laughs> oh, but we can't, we can't slut shame in a comic book. Sorry. <laughs> and Albert, <laughs> well, Albert's going to get our podcast license revoked. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I didn't, I love Ben's dialogue. I'm going to give Dan Slott this. If Dan Slott can do nothing else, he writes pretty damn good Ben Grimm dialogue. Well, he's always wrote a good, I mean, he's wrote a good Ben Grimm for years. He wrote a yeah. Ben Grimm series, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, he did yeah. like a Ben Grimm miniseries, like a, was it a Spider-Man thing thing or something like that? Or a thing it was, yeah, it was the thing. It was yeah, it was thing the series. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of it had him just playing poker with other superheroes. Mm -hmm. He had Lockjaw with him, remember? It was uh, Ben Grimm and Lockjaw. I thought this was a pretty good issue all the way down to the last line, Johnny Storm doesn't get to cry. 
<laughs> oh, boo-hoo. <laughs> Take it out with vision. If the solution to everything is lock it in the basement, then I can be Reed Richards, too. <laughs> you know, most people go to jail for locking people in the basement. <laughs> Not read. So I hope this clears it up for everybody. I don't want to hear any more pro Reed Richards crap. He's an idiot. <laughs> oh, and Sue does a wonderful job of being there and not really important. So <laughs> That's about Dan Slot's. Uh, Which is what a wife should do. Oh, my God. God Albert. <laughs> I'm saying pull it. I'm saying pull this issue of Fantastic Four. I was entertained. <laughs> yeah, I say Paul. It was a good comic. What's the middle one? Scan it. John Burn it. Browse it. Browse it. <laughs> John Burn it. <laughs> Remember that? John Burn advocating going into comic book stores and reading the comic at the store. <laughs> John Burn it. <laughs> They've released the cast of voice acting in the animated Mario movie. Mario Brothers? Yeah, they're doing an animated movie next year. Oh, wow. I saw all the land that Universal has set aside. The Mario World thing already exists in Tokyo. It's up and running. Okay. This is Universal bringing a bigger version over here to Orlando. I'm not nearly as much the Mario fan as you are, but I am a little bit excited about that. Well, the, the one they show in Tokyo is very compact. Yeah. If they did do it over here, it would be nice if they did more landmass of it, gave it more space. Well, they've got the landmass. The landmass that they have set aside, not all of it will go to their new universal world or whatever they're calling it. The landmass they have set aside for expansion is larger than Animal Kingdom. And that's, and that's huge. You're going to get a huge, you're going to get a big Mario land inside of that. Okay, who's the voice cast for the Mario movie? So Mario is... Chris Pratt. <laughs> Luigi is Charlie Day. Princess Peach is Anna Taylor Joy. Is it Anna or Anya? How do you, how do you say her name? There's a Y in the middle of that name. Well, I started to say, I thought it was Anya Taylor Joy. Yeah. She's Princess Magic Peach. From the New Mutants, right? Yeah. She's Princess Peach. Jack Black is Bowser. That makes perfect sense. Keegan Michael Key, the other guy from Nick Key and Peel is Toad, and Seth Rogen is Donkey Kong. I was with you up, Seth Rogen. I don't like Seth Rogen. And, and I mean, Fred, it's not... It, Fred Armisen is in it as yeah. Cranky Kong. Who is Cranky Kong? Cranky Kong is... If my lore is correct, Cranky Kong is the original Donkey Kong. In the modern day, what we consider Donkey Kong, like when you see him now, he just has a tie, a red, a red yeah. neck on. That's Donkey yeah. Kong Jr. Oh. I think... Okay. It's freaking Popeye. But I think that's the actual proper lore. I think they always played it off that the Donkey Kong we know now is actually Donkey Kong Jr. growing up. I'll buy that. Yeah, I've noticed that whenever they get into a sticky situation with Mario lore, they just shut up. They don't necessarily attempt to go into explaining it. Nintendo originally put out a Popeye game. Yeah, I remember the Popeye arcade Popeye game was them. Then they had to come up with something on the fly because they had a bunch of arcade machines made. They weren't sales. I think a submarine game of some sort, so they repurposed them and out came Donkey Kong. Yeah, I can see that. I remember the Popeye game. You had Bluto at the top. He had Olive. Help, help. 
You had little yeah, cans well, of the spinach. Guy that, the guy, uh, Miyamoto, the guy that created Mario, is a huge Popeye fan. That's why when the original Donkey Kong oh. game, that's just Popeye. I remember. Based on this wiki called Donkey Kong Wiki, Cranky Kong is the original Donkey Kong senior. I mean, it's video game lore. What? Oh, you should get into Zelda lore. Oh, no, 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 pal. Zelda is the only... I have bought every version of that game and played all the way through. I know Zelda way better than I know Donkey Kong and Mario. I don't know why either. I, I And Zelda, I feel obligated. There's like, there's like three timelines for Zelda. Oh, yeah. It's all messed up. It's all over the place. At the same point, they never, I don't think they really intended for a timeline. They're just like, eh, if y'all want a timeline, here's your timeline. That 25th anniversary on Wii, that about drove me insane. It's... Universal's Epic Universe is what it's called at Universal in Orlando. And unfortunately, the opening has been delayed to 2025. When you look at the maps and the size of the area that they've annexed, Mm -hmm. you can put all of Animal Kingdom in it. And I keep saying Animal Kingdom because Animal Kingdom has the most square footage of any of the parks down there. And so this is going to be mammoth. But you got to understand that some of that area is going to go to building new hotels and a couple of parking decks as well. Mario is is not going to be the only land that they concentrate on there. I think they're planning on expanding out um, Jurassic Park or maybe moving Jurassic Park in its entirety. Well, they wouldn't do that because they've already built the Raptor over there, so they, they could somehow connect the two. I'm really hoping they do Mario. Get a Mario. Oh, they're going to do. Yeah, they're going to do Mario. There's no ands, ifs, or buts about that. Mario is coming to Universal. I'm a little bit excited about that. I don't care what they do with the rest of the area, but I saw where they were going to build Nintendo World or Wii World or whatever. That'll be a lot of fun. Well, we're going to go ahead and close it out here. We'd like to thank, of course our content contributors and we'd like to thank most importantly you the listeners you continue to give us great numbers be there for us we appreciate it greatly thank you thank you thank you for listening share us with your friends share us with your enemies share us with your family members that you're no longer talking to for whatever reason just share us share us share us let us hear from you continue to hear from you kingdom casts that kingdom casts that's kingdom c-a-s-t-s at gmail.com kingdom comics at gmail.com Kingdom Casts and Kingdom Comics on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So let us know what you're thinking. Love us, hate us, indifferent to us, love, hate, indifferent to the comic books or the What If series or Star Wars Visions has just hit Disney Plus. And we didn't talk about that because we haven't had time to watch all of them, but we'll talk about that next week. So let us hear from you on that as well. Send us your email, your messages, wherever and whenever. We're open to hearing them all. So, Sandra. Any final words? Well, keep an eye out for that Rick and Morty Mr. Nimbus comment. I don't know when it's coming out. That's what us Namer fans are reduced to. Speaking of alternate versions. If we can't, if there's nothing to push on Namor, by God, we're going to push the pseudo Namor. Jeez. (laughs) I don't know what Marvel is doing. I look at their solicitations and I'm like, where is my Namor book? Do you really think Reptile is going to sell better than Namor? Hell no. You don't know that. Yes, I do know that. No, you don't. I do. And it's time no, to stop lying let's, to let's, yourself. Let's look at the, the sales figures for Reptile and Namer, the King and Black Namer. I'll tell you which one did better. Albert, do you have any final thoughts? Yeah, I've been working on my uh, ventriloquism act. Your ventriloquism act. Yep. In fact, I've been doing it this whole podcast. I have oh, not moved oh. my lips one time. Jeez. <laughs> oh, Jesus. 
and none of y'all can prove different. I've I've got to go take a headache powder. <laughs> All right. Tell them good night. <laughs> good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Kingdom Casts is owned by Kingdom Comics Incorporated and produced by Stan Daniel and Albert Marsh. No part of this program may be reproduced, replicated, or replayed without permission. Special thanks to Sandra Swindle. Also, thank you to our content contributors, Jason Bean, Tim Bryant, Cornelius Burroughs, Denise Daniel, Josh Duke, Alex Fitzpatrick, Hatcher, Charles Hickey, Ali Marceau, Joseph Koloski, Katrina Olstead, and Angela Pickett. Logo designed by Geoffrey Gwynn. Edited by Stan Daniel. Kingdom Casts is copyrighted 2021. All rights reserved. It does seem like there's some sort of weird something going on. There is, I think. I mean, and Aquafina, what about you? What about the way you talk, Aquafina? I, the f- is that? I don't. I yeah. Like, why aren't you going after Vanilla Ice and what is that other guy? Eight Mile guy. Oh, uh, Eminem. Eminem. No, yeah. 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 I mean, when, you know, when it, you know, what's what's the problem? It's like me accusing you. you know, you're Okanagan, aren't you, Sandra? You shit. Why why are you faking a Southern accent? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. The. F- is your story, why, Sandra? Why are you badly faking a southern accent, Sandra? <laughs> <laughs> Don't even say y'all right. <laughs>